0: Today is
1: Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A wave of attacks on the newly elected Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson's Christian faith. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating, all that good stuff. You can email us as well. We would love to hear from you. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. Fire away your thoughts. We'd love to hear it. We're getting through the news of the Cray here each and every weekday morning, bright and early. And joining me today on this Friday Junior edition of the podcast, Trey Phillips. Billy is traveling on assignment today. Trey, what's up?
0: What is up? You know, Friday Junior is just a great day. It's a great day. You know?
1: Absolutely. It's
0: one is. step closer to the weekend. And even better because we don't have to deal with Billy today. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. We miss Billy.
1: No, we have a. For, for those who aren't aware, we we do a lot of internal joking with Billy. So it's all in good-natured fun. We love Billy. Yes. But uh, he's out traveling, and so hopefully returning soon. I don't think he'll actually be back for tomorrow's pod either. Yeah, but... He's
0: working on some exciting stuff, though. Yeah, so.
1: Yes, very exciting stuff. Can't announce it yet, but we will soon enough uh all right we have a lot to get to as usual on the podcast trey what do we have coming up on the focus story
0: yeah we're actually going to talk about jordan peterson and some of the comments that he's making about what he says is a number one is the number one thing uh that americans are missing out on uh as far as making wise decisions uh so yeah he had some strong words to say about that
1: yeah he's an interesting guy too he's kind of on the precipice of Becoming a full blown Christian. He's right
0: there. I know he's so close. So close. That every so time close. I see him talk about things, I'm <laughs> like, oh, you're you're almost you're there. Almost
1: there. He is and he has a lot of wisdom for a guy who's yeah, not quite sure. there yet. So that'll be interesting. Looking forward to going through that. We're gonna hear from George Thomas as well. He explains how Iran is funneling weapons to Hamas. That's the main thing. But first we're gonna get through the news here in 90 seconds. Injured Palestinians and foreign nationals have finally begun to arrive in Egypt from Gaza through the Rafah border crossing. This is for the first time since this Israel-Hamas war broke out back in early October. At least 361 foreign nationals have gotten into Egypt through that crossing, and U.S. citizens are among this initial group that have departed Gaza. That's according to the State Department They didn't give specifics on the numbers, however. And we're expecting, according to officials, up to 500 foreigners to cross out of Gaza at Rafah. And newly elected House Speaker Mike Johnson, he's responding to critics in the media who have really criticized his Christian faith. Johnson. He hasn't been shy about his worldview. That's what he said. The Bible and Christianity is his worldview. Politico called him a Christian nationalist. Jen Psaki labeled him a Christian fundamentalist. The Daily Beast called him a Christo fascist. And it only went downhill from there. Bill Maher compared him to the mass shooter of suspected, who was suspected of killing 20 people because the shooter, quote, heard voices. Johnson called the comparisons, disgusting and i'll just say i know the music ran out on me but i want to get his quote in here he said look there are entire industries that are built to take down public leaders and effective public leaders like me i'm not surprised by that it comes with the territory it doesn't bother me at all i just wish they would get to know me i'm not trying to establish christianity as the national religion or something that's not what this is all about he said, and this is critical, if you truly believe in the Bible's commands and you seek to follow those, it's impossible to be a hateful person because the greatest command in the Bible is that you love God with everything you had and you love your neighbor as yourself. So get on over to cbnnews.com. You can read more stories just like these. But Trey, I wanted to talk about this because we that was the initial reaction. You saw President Biden comment on johnson's lgbt views which is of course the religion of many on the progressive left and so if you don't adhere to that then you're an apostate and you must be criticized and put down so he immediately did that but all of these other attacks are coming out and it's it's kind of look surprising on the one hand but also not surprising when you look at the tenor against christianity these days
0: yeah, you know, I, it's it's frustrating whenever you hear those kind of scare tactic words, because that's what they are. Like, they're just buzzwords, I think, so often that are used to kind of like... A, a, engender some sort of reaction Um, it's not actually like a thoughtful criticism right it's just a it's a knee-jerk reaction of like oh this person is a christian and then also well they're saying something that i disagree with and then they are also a christian so i'll just use that because that's kind of like the the low-hanging fruit so i'll just use that and go after that as my way of criticizing and attacking somebody which yeah it's just frustrating because it is such a a disingenuous attack it's not actually any sort of authentic criticism of any ideology. It's just, uh, uh, and a lot of it too, though, is a spiritual blindness and a spiritual darkness, right? As I think the world looks on at people who are Christians um, and there's this natural visceral reaction to that because all of us are like that. And, And, you know, in our own fleshly, state, uh, the idea that there's a God who's sovereign and has control over things and has something to say about moral values and principles, that's an affront to our human nature. So, uh, yeah, whenever somebody is kind of falling in line with that and is is believing that and then advocating for it in his or her public workspace, uh, that certainly, I think, is offensive just to our human nature. So I think there's that spiritual battle taking place, but then I think there's just the natural bias of the media culture that we have, which is anytime there's a Christian, they're they're in the wrong just because they're Christian. But I also want to say a good response from the speaker. Like yeah. he, Johnson seemed to have a really thoughtful response and uh, was very compassionate, but also communicated, you know, I think you're wrong, uh, but it's my job as a believer to love you and still also stand firm on what I think is true.
1: Yeah. And I think I want to commend him for not backing down because a lot of people would crumble under that pressure. And we see politicians do that, knowing that the whole LGBTQ army and mob are going to be completely lined up and waiting. They're lined up and waiting. And so he gave but he gave a good response. He didn't just say, yeah, no, go pound sand. You know, he he explained a little bit about the Christian faith. That's been a frustration we've talked about in this podcast many times. That just yeah. because we disagree with this does not mean we hate you. We don't hate you. It's an a, uh, um, you know, it's an old adage. You know, love the, love the sinner, hate the sin, and that's absolutely true. I, I'm not going to force you to do anything. I'm going to tell you because I love you and I see you walking away from what God wants you to walk in. And so, if you're in my circle and I have that influence, I'm going to say that to you. And it's because I love you. It's not because I hate you. And that's not reciprocated in today's culture. And so it's just a misrepresentation that so many people have that, ah, they're full of hate. They're bigoted. They're just out to get. And that's not the case at all. And I thought he did a good job of not just cowering and backing down in the face of that. But, uh, I want to make it clear, Trey, we've talked about it on this podcast a number of times, and this is a perfect example of what, of it. And that, what that is is what we're seeing play out right now is a clash of worldviews. And yeah. so there there is no neutrality, right? You are coming at the, you see the world through a lens. And right now, a lot of people see the world through this progressive, secular, atheistic, materialistic worldview, and they're applying that. And that's leading to sexual confusion. It's leading to perversion. It's leading to all kinds of barriers of normalcy and decency when it comes to sexuality and kids being disregarded and flaunted. And so all that's what that worldview and worldviews outside of the Christian worldview are leading to. And so you should not be ashamed to say, yes, I have a Christian worldview for exactly the reason um, Speaker Johnson says that it's impossible to hate somebody in, in that worldview.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to recognize that everybody has religious views, right? I put that kind of in air quotes, right? It's either the religion of self, like a a religion that kind of rewards my decisions and my feelings, which is in the end, of course, an empty religion. Or there's a religion uh, when you're adhering to and being obedient to and uh, submitting yourself to the Lord, which is obviously the the only true religion there, right? Because that's the only one that offers any form of redemption. We can't redeem ourselves um so uh, there's that differentiation i think happening uh, but then also good for good for johnson for uh kind of holding both things at the same time saying look i love you you're misinterpreting what i believe to be my my duty as a christian which is to love you but also saying i'm not going to back down though like that's not going to change right. what i think it's not going to change how i act uh, if i mess up i'll i'll you know apologize that's one thing but yeah it's not going to change my perspective on something which i think is important for christians to recognize cuz i think it's easy to kind of cower back and say oh i uh yeah no i I don't want to face this pushback so i'll change my opinion which is is not that's not true christianity either
1: no and you know and it's and look if you basically what they're saying is unironically they don't realize that they're trying to enforce their worldview when they when they push against somebody like speaker johnson they're they're enforcing their view on people they don't have this view of well everyone's accepted that's it's not at all that. So that's why you have to just say, no, this is what I actually believe. And I'm not I'm not going to cower down because of it. So good for him. All yeah. right. I know I prattled on a little bit too long there. We're a little bit past our normal marker for the focus story. So let's get right into it, Trey. Well, you, you teased it with Jordan Peterson. So uh, he talked about this major pitfall that trips up people. So what do you say?
0: Yeah, so really, he was talking about uh, vision. He's a clinical psychologist, Jordan Peterson. He's talking about planning and making wise decisions, which he said is something that, that Americans often fail to do. And I think the the point he was making is is not that we're just unwise. Of course, there is there is that, but it's that we're not even setting ourselves up for the potential to make wise decisions because we're not planning ahead, thinking ahead. Uh, And in this instance, because he was talking to Dave Ramsey, who's obviously a talk radio host who focuses on financial decisions and financial planning. So Peterson was talking specifically about financial planning, but really you could kind of extrapolate what he was saying out to any issue. Uh, But this is what he, a quote he had to say about, um, about clients that he's had in counseling who were just not good with money. He said, I've had lots of clients who are much better off when they actually had no money at all. He said those were often the people who had addiction problems, talking about drugs and other things. He said because as soon as they had any money at all, they were back in the bar or they're back to using drugs and they ended up being face down in a ditch is what he said of of some of his clients. He said so there are all sorts of causes of poverty and certainly one form of poverty and one cause of poverty is the absence of a plan. Uh, He said that people just, they come into money, they make money. It may not be a lot of money, but it's enough to kind of sustain their lifestyle. But then once they have it, maybe they were raised in a, a broken home, or they're raised with parents who also didn't have that knowledge of how to use their finances. Uh, so it was never modeled for them, right? And he said a lot of times that in America, because we are a land of so much opportunity, even the poorest person in America is much better off uh, than than the people in, in other countries, other less developed countries. Uh, so he said it's important for Americans, uh, really for anybody, be you saying certainly in America you you have so much available to you and that's not to say that there there are some people who uh, have tried and have done everything the right way, and it still doesn't work out as it ought to. We live in a broken world, and that, of course, happens. But he said, you need to, this is a quote from him, he said, you need to develop a vision for your life, and that, may, that makes delaying gratification, for example, and not engaging in impulsive momentary pleasure worthwhile, because you're building towards something you actually want to attain. We are very bad in our society, appallingly and miraculously bad at helping people to develop develop a vision uh, for the decisions that they want to make.
1: Yeah, that's super interesting. And of course, you know, look, as Christians, we got to look at what our priorities are. Are we right? There, there's so much material wealth around us that it's, it's very easy to fall into the comparison trap in one way, shape or form or another. And you just think, Oh my gosh, I should have all this stuff. Look at all these people. Look at it. How do all these people, how do they all do it? <laughs> you look around at that and you think, man, I need to get some of that stuff too. And you think you're failing somehow, but That's, that's when we have the wrong definition of success, but did he talk about the other benefits of having a vision, which is super important by the way, because if you're just going around aimlessly, as he said, you're just going to keep flailing.
0: Yeah, so he, which I think this is interesting, because it was like I was talking about a couple minutes ago about how you can really just apply this wisdom to really any area of life. And he's done, he's a clinical psychologist, he's a researcher, he's a professor from Toronto. So he's kind of an academician by trade. So he uh, obviously wants to kind of dig into numbers and statistics and do research himself. And this is something that he's actually spent time studying. And he said, this is he calls this future art, Authoring, which is just the practice of of really just taking time, and he even said, take 15 minutes out of your day and take a pen and paper or, or write it on your laptop, your computer. Just type out what your future goals are, make them attainable. Don't put these huge, lofty goals that are absolutely unreachable because then you're just going to end up being discouraged, right? So he we right. was saying, write down, you know, attainable goals and just do one step after the other, kind of methodically. They can become bigger and larger goals as you as you move down the line. But in some of the research that he did with grade school students. Uh, He said that it improved their grade point averages by up to 35% uh, for for kids who did this future authoring. And they said it actually decreased their dropout rates to 50% below the national average. Now, this was in Canada. uh, But uh, yeah, just incredible to see the drastic changes, the positive changes that can take place if kids are just given the opportunity and given the tools to develop plans for their future, whether that's just studying and doing better on an, on an exam or uh, spending more time on, uh, on research and less time socializing. Uh, so yeah, just developing those, um, those parameters for ourselves can do so much to change, not just our outlook on life, our perspective on life, but the actual outcome of our lives.
1: Yeah. What are the, uh, what are some of the biblical truths here?
0: Yeah, as you said, Peterson is not a Christian, but he seems so close uh, in in a lot of ways. Because uh, look, he's even doing a he's done a, um, a a study of Exodus over at the Daily Wire. So he's somebody who's familiar with Scripture. And of course, when you talk about vision, there's a lot of biblical uh, wisdom there and insight there. The Scripture talks about this all the time. I think the verse when I was first listening to this interview uh, that came to mind was of course Proverbs twenty eight nineteen. It says where there is no prophetic, vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Uh, so I think the the lesson there, right, is to, to uh, a vision is walking in obedience to scripture, which that's God's plan for us, right? And when we walk in obedience to scripture, when we use that as our vision, what the Lord commands us to do in all aspects of our lives, we, we begin to prosper more. That's not like a prosperity gospel thing. It doesn't mean right. you're going to get rich, but it means your spiritual life is in a much healthier place. And when our spiritual life is in a healthier place. Uh, there's a lot of rewards that come with that, right? It doesn't mean we're going to come into all kinds of material wealth, but it does mean that our perspective will be more gospel focused yeah. and our, our our the way we view the world will be more godly rather than uh, selfishly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then just if you're having a plan and you're being wise, you're going to end yeah. up not doing things like going crazy yeah, and exactly. or making rash purchases. And even if you don't have a lot of stuff, just living debt free or close to debt free or well within your means is going to give you a lot of peace and take away a lot of those stresses. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't have the fanciest car or the latest clothes available or whatever the case might be. You're going to have that internal peace and it's going to, it's going to reap a lot of blessings in your life. Like you said, Trey, not necessarily meaning you're going to be rich, but you'll be rich certainly in a different way. All right. Well, we're going to, we're a little over time here. So we're going to head right on over to the main thing. Thanks, Trey, for bringing that one. Appreciate it. All right, George Thomas, he is taking a look at how Iran is funneling weapons into Hamas. You wonder how in the world does that happen in this area that is supposed to be tightly monitored? Well, he has that report and CBN's Gordon Robertson responds to it with a special commentary. That's today's main thing.
2: Sima Shine, former intelligence officer with Israel's Mossad Agency, tells CBN News this map, produced by her institute, shows the extensive network Iran is using to smuggle weapons to the West Bank and beyond. Iran is the main proliferator in the region. They send UAVs and and missiles to the Houthis in Yemen, uh, to their militias in Iraq to Lebanon, to Hezbollah, to Hamas in Gaza, and they have their presence in Syria. So what happens in the region, wherever you find any conflict, you find the fingerprint of Iran. According to reports, Israeli intelligence noticed a spike in arms flowing to the West Bank between 2021 and 2023. It took action, reportedly stopping 35 shipments, seizing more than 800 weapons. There's
0: been quite a significant uh, process of movement. There was a, a quite significant consignment uh, intercepted by Israel uh, close to a place called Yaakov on the border in, I think, April, uh, in which it was found that quite uh, sophisticated IEDs were being brought, in, being brought into the West Bank.
2: Then in July, in one of its largest operations in decades, Israel deployed more than 2,000 troops to the Jenin refugee camp, arresting two dozen terrorists and seizing more than a thousand weapons and hundreds of explosive devices. Six bomb-making facilities were also destroyed. The majority of the weapons confiscated, including drugs, said to have transited through Jordan, a key U.S. and Israel ally in the region. Jordanians are enormously disturbed by that uh, development, and rightly so. Israel and Jordan share a 300-mile border that runs through the West Bank. Now, intelligence officials are concerned that Iran is attempting to use Jordan as a key transit point for weapons intended for use by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terror group, which has base of operation in the West Bank and is close allies with Hamas. The Jordanian um, made it very clear, particularly in the last months, that they will not stand for that. And they started uh, attacking. Now there's concern Israel could face a new front from terror groups operating inside the West Bank.
0: Yes, there clearly is that potential. That These organizations exist, they're heavily armed, they have personnel, they have money, so they have, the, they have will, so they have the capacity to launch uh, attacks.
2: Since the October 7th attacks, Israeli security services launched multiple raids in Jenin, one of the West Bank's most volatile cities, arresting more than 1,400 terrorists. Last week, the IDF also targeted a terrorist cell believed to be close to launching an attack.
0: Thanks to the accurate intelligence and cooperation with the General Security Service, we identified and eliminated a terrorist
2: cell that was a ticking time bomb. It was responsible for many attacks and planned to carry out a murderous
1: attack in the territory of the state of
2: israel as the idf continues to pummel gaza the government here also tightening security across parts of jerusalem and the west bank to ensure violence and potential terror attacks don't open a new front on israel george Thomas, cbn news
3: jerusalem please be in prayer for israel Please be in prayer for the entire region, that there would be peace, not just in Jerusalem, but also in Gaza. Uh, The people there suffering under uh, Hamas, what, what is happening is absolutely horrific. But there's potential, and it's huge potential, for this to become a wider regional conflict. Now, keep this history in mind. The Islamic Brotherhood is the parent organization of Hamas. They were elected in Egypt. Uh, they've been declared illegal now. But they actually held power in Egypt for a period of time. And that was recently. Uh, and you, you look at the political situation there. If, if it continues on in Gaza, is there likelihood of some kind of revolution in Egypt, to to get a new government, and would that new government then declare war against Israel? In Jordan, the PLO tried to depose the king of Jordan. Jordan, they were stopped in that, and then they were expelled into southern Lebanon. Uh, Jordan has a large Palestinian population. It, it, could they be radicalized, and could they try to create? Uh, some kind of foment there and take control of that government. Iran's been operating behind the scenes on all of this. And whether it's Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, Hamas, uh, the, what we just saw, what they're doing in the West Bank, uh, would they launch a war against Israel? And then we've heard uh, Erdogan in Turkey. He's saying, I'm going to put troops into Gaza. Uh, could this turn into a much wider regional conflict Let us pray it doesn't, because that's in nobody's interest to have that. We need to eliminate Hamas. What they did on October 7th is absolutely horrific. They should not exist anymore. I stand with Israel and saying Hamas has to go. But I also want to stand for peace. Can there be peace there Can we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? And can we pray for the freedom of the people in Gaza that they could enjoy the same things that you and I enjoy? Stop this ideology, this hate. It's an Islamic death cult. Let's put an end to it.
1: All right, appreciate that report from George and that commentary from our own CEO, Gordon Robertson. Appreciate that. All right, that's going to leave us with time on the pod for one last thing.
0: We're going to look at John 14, 23. It says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him.
1: Sounds like a simple command, sometimes harder, harder to do yeah, than, for it, sure. than it sounds. But uh, look, we should have assurance of our faith that if we love Jesus, we're going to follow him. Doesn't mean we're going to do it perfectly. But that is going to be our desire, and I pray that that's all of our desires heading into the rest of this day and going forward on this Friday junior edition of the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.